The following message is from Benediction Church in Hamilton, Ontario. This morning's scripture reading comes from John's Gospel, chapter 11, and uh, verses 17 through 44. 17 to 44. Um, <clears throat> when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, less than two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. Uh, as soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have died. Yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. Having said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. As soon as Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to cry there. As soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you put him? He asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, there is already a stench because he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this so that they may believe that you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey, I uh, I nearly died when I was 11. I was at my cottage, my family's cottage, and uh, it was a bike accident. And my brother had done some work on my bicycle, uh, and I took it for a test ride. He had put on pedals from another bicycle that were too big for the bike that I was on. And um, and I was on my way back to the to my cottage going as fast as I could with no helmet because it wasn't, it wasn't the law in those days. And uh, I sort of swerved to avoid an oncoming car. And you know, when you when you swerve and you turn, the bike leans. So I lean, the, my bike is leaning and I'm going full tilt. The pedal hit the ground, the bike stopped dead short and I flew over the handlebars. And uh, the, the elderly couple who were 
driving the car. I felt so bad for the poor couple. They stopped, they got out of the car and ran over to me and they carried me back to the cottage, bleeding all over the place. Um, I remember looking back and seeing the bike uh, and the front wheel had was like was folded in half. I, I'm not I'm not exaggerating. And I also heard uh, the 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 husband. I remember the husband described this this what he saw to my parents. And I remember he said that he flew 15 meters and he landed on his face. And that's actually why I have this scar here. And um, and that happened when I was about 11 years. Yeah, I was 11 years old. And I, in my 11 year old brain, I concluded that I was put here for a reason. Uh, you know, there's a must be a reason why I didn't die. So must be the comic books that I draw, the superhero pictures that I like to draw. Those are going to do some, you know, those are going to change the world. Uh, that was the conclusion that I came to, uh, obviously, because that's what, you know, we, we are. It turns out we are meaning making creatures. Nate Pyle, I came across this, uh, this quote from him this week. He says, humans are meaning making creatures. When something doesn't fit our current paradigm of thinking, we pull together the disparate facts to make a story that gives meaning and purpose or reason, using facts to make these stories believable. But just because something is believable doesn't make it true. I really like that. Just because something is believable doesn't make it true. And of all the stories of scripture, I think the, one of the ones that makes this point powerfully is the raising of Lazarus. That just because something is believable doesn't make it true. Now, this has been a tough week. Uh, a lot of you have seen the video of the shooting of Ahmad Arbery that's made its way around while he was, uh, you know, he's a, he's a young black man in the U.S., just out for a jog in a white neighborhood. Uh, you, many of you know that Ravi Zacharias is, is dying of cancer and, and nearly gone. Um, a pastor I admire, I don't know him personally, but his name is Darren Patrick. He took his own life this week. We learned that little Richard died. Um, and we're still in the midst of this pandemic. And today is uh, Mother's Day, which for a lot of people is a really great day. Uh, for Heather and I, it's it's kind of bittersweet because it reminds us of the, the baby that we miscarried in, in 2012. I'll tell you about that later. But there's there's so much darkness and and. And sometimes it's like, what what meaning are we supposed to make from all of this? And, you know, some some might conclude because it's believable that God doesn't love us, and that God isn't good or that he's not even there. You know, some some folks would find that believable, but that doesn't make it true. Uh, and, and, and I didn't know that when, when we planned this series, I didn't know that this story was going to land here. But I'm really glad it did, because we see the choice that the Lord calls us to make, okay, to, to let him come and see. And, and so today I want us to kind of join Lazarus' sisters and, and, and their friends at the tomb. And let's observe what happens there, okay? Let's observe what happens at the tomb so that we can see how Jesus loves. We're going to see what Jesus hates. And we're going to see the choice that we have to make, right? Let's begin by seeing how Jesus loves. Let's let this story tell us how Jesus loves. So, you know, this story takes place in a town called Bethany. It literally means house of the poor. And, and there's some evidence, um, and especially from uh, church tradition, that Bethany was the, the site of a, of, a, of a hospital. It was a hospital village where a group of Jews called the Essenes would serve food and medicine to the poor. And tradition says that this is where Lazarus was a leader 
Uh, and so the Jews who came to mourn him, they're there not just because uh, they are sad, they're, you know, they're sad over the loss of a friend, but many of these people would be the would be among the poor folks that Lazarus had helped during his time volunteering in his hospital. And so as we read this, know that Lazarus is a person and a friend and a brother with a life and a mission and a story. And Jesus loved him. Okay, Jesus loved him. In verse three, the news comes to Jesus and, and they say, Lord, he whom you love is ill. So, so it's right there. Jesus loves him. And then John tells us, verses five to six, that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And so when he, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer. Now, if, I don't know if you noticed the wording of that, but that's, that's strange because that doesn't sound like love. In fact, we are, you know, we are meaning makers. And so if, when he hears that Lazarus is ill, what is it? What can it mean if he stays four more days? So let's wrestle with that a bit. So there's a there's a Jewish superstition that said when a person dies, their spirit hovered over the body in case that person woke up. But after three days, the face started to change. The spirit doesn't recognize the person. And so on the fourth day they go. Or, sorry, on the third day they go. But by the time Jesus arrives, Lazarus has already been dead four days. Just to make it clear, he's, you know, that, that, that it's like this is beyond the point of no return. And so they're starting to conclude, because Jesus stayed, uh, that, that Jesus doesn't love him after all. In fact, in verse 21, Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, Mary says it in verse 32, Lord, if you had been here. And so the meaning that they're constructing from this thing is, Lord, if you loved him, you wouldn't you wouldn't have let him die. And so it's they've, they've, it's believable that Jesus doesn't love Lazarus because he stayed away. The question is, if you loved him, why'd you let him die? And he doesn't answer. He asks to see the tomb. And in verse 35, we hear that Jesus wept and and and. The thing is, everybody watching knows what this means. And in verse 36, they say, see how he loved him. He did love Lazarus after all. Make no mistake. Jesus loves them. Uh, sometimes Jesus might show love differently than you might or than, than you might expect. But this is going to be a demonstration of God's glory. And they're going to get Lazarus back at the end of the story. That. That's not what they asked for. It's not what they expected. It's actually more. It's actually better. And that is how he loves. Okay? So that's how Jesus loves. So the next thing we need to see is we need to see what Jesus hates. Okay? We've seen how Jesus loves. We need to see what Jesus hates. We get another glimpse here at the heart of Jesus. It's an emotion and a feeling that we almost never see in Scripture. But in verses 33 and 38, uh, we read that when Jesus saw the weeping and he saw the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was, quote, deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And we should ask, like, what is that? What are we talking about here? Now, we get what it means to be troubled by something. It's like being disturbed or being deeply upset about that thing. Um, in Matthew's gospel, uh, King Herod was troubled at the news of, of Jesus' birth because he believed Jesus was a threat to him. So he's troubled by that. In John's gospel, verse, or chapter 12, um, before Jesus is arrested and tortured, he tells his disciples, now is my soul 
troubled. Um, but Jesus is also, it says, deeply moved in his spirit. What is that? Well, that's that's closer to anger. It's what it's what Judas feels when Judas yells at Mary uh, Magdalene for wasting expensive perfume in Mark 14. In in fact, in there's a in, in the in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, in the Greek version, the, the Septuagint, there is a story of a king of the north who comes in anger and violence to destroy the Jewish temple in chapter 11, verse 30. The word for this king's rage at Israel at the time uh, is, this, is the same word that is, that's used to describe what Jesus feels here at the tomb of Lazarus. You would call this being just angry and ticked and furious or mad as hell and 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 you might you would rightly ask the question is jesus allowed to hate like is that a is that a christ-like feeling and you know that's a that's a fair question like i i don't know if you've seen death firsthand um but i have a very clear memory of the first time that i was in a hospital room when a man uh took his last breaths um the family had decided to take him off of life support and uh, to watch him die peacefully, uh, except there was nothing peaceful about it. It was awful, and it was violent, and it was shocking, and his brain functioning was long gone, but his body didn't know. And and I can still, if I let my mind go there, I can still hear, and I can see it, and I can I can picture how his chest was writhing, and how his body and lungs were gasping for air that his body had no use for, because his brain couldn't process it. And I I remember being there and praying for it to be over, just begging him to let go and just move on, to move on to the kingdom. Um, I, 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 it was awful. I, I wish I could forget those images because it was unbearable. I hated it. I hated it. And in the same way, Jesus is here at the tomb. He sees firsthand what death has done to this community it's, it's robbed them of an influential, important volunteer and friend. It's stolen their joy. It's taken their hope. And it seems like the story of Lazarus is over. And, and Jesus hates that. He hates it. And in fact, if you're not sure whether it's okay to talk about hate with regard to death, the Apostle Paul called death uh, Jesus' last enemy. So make no mistake here, death is not a friend. Jesus hates it. He hates it. Don't, don't you? Don't you dream of the day when there's no more death? Of course you do. Jesus hates death. That's why C.S. Lewis says, uh, We follow one who stood and wept at the grave of Lazarus because death, the punishment of sin, is even more horrible in his eyes than in ours. That's what Jesus hates. He hates death. So how are, we to, how are we to make sense of it all? We've seen how Jesus loves. We see what Jesus hates. And now there is a choice that we each need to make. We need to choose to let him come and see. We must let him come and see. What do I mean? Um, Jesus asks them in verse 34, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Well, come and see what? Like, Come and see the tomb. Come and see the body. Um, Martha, she's so practical, eh? She's she's concerned. Um, everybody here is is ready to open the tomb, but she steps in and objects 
In verse 39, she says, Lord, by this time there's going to be an odor, for he's been dead for four days. Like, Jesus, don't go in there. It's the fourth day. You know what that means. He's rotting, and we don't, we don't want you to see him like this. But Jesus is like, hey, I, I know what's in there. I know what I'm getting myself into. Did not, he says, did I not tell you that if you believed, you'd see the glory of God? And so she agrees. And that's when Jesus prays, and he calls out to Lazarus, and he raises him back to life. Now notice, this is not what they expected. Earlier, when Jesus told Mary that your brother will rise again, she assumed that he's talking about Judgment Day in verse 24. Um, but Jesus wants her, and in fact, he wants all of us to know, resurrection isn't like some distant, sentimental, cliched thing. The hope of resurrection is real, and it's here. The hope of resurrection is a person. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me lives even if he dies. Verse 25. That's what it all means. Okay? Resurrection. It's all point. It's all about resurrection. And if you believe that, if you believe that that all of this is about resurrection, then 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 what choice is there but to take the stone away and let him in? What else can we say but Lord Lord, come and see. Of course we will, but but imagine that they didn't. Okay, imagine if Mary and Martha said, "Oh, but Lord, it's it's been four days. It's it's too long. We absolutely will not." Or imagine that they said, "Oh, but Jesus, you're busy. Like we know that what's in there is really nasty. This isn't worth your time. How about you do your thing? You know, you you do your thing, and 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 we'll roll away the stone later uh, once you've gone." No, but or, or imagine that they said, okay, sh- sure, Lord, come, come and see, come and see. But, uh, but then they only roll the stone partway away so that, so that Jesus, he's not allowed to see all the way in. Um, no, like none of that is how it works. If Jesus can't come to the tomb, if he can't see the body, if he doesn't have access to the disgusting, rotten, smelly body, then there is no resurrection. You know, if, if, when I think about the choice that they had to make in bringing Jesus to the tomb, it reminds me of something that they say in, in recovery programs, which is that you are only as sick as the secrets you keep. Okay, You're only as sick as the secrets of, that you keep. You know what that means? It means that the only problems that really have any power over you are the ones that you choose to keep hidden. Um, now, I, I don't know what you might be keeping hidden from other people or from the Lord. But there are some of us, I think, who need to hear this. Um, like, Jesus actually can handle what's in your tomb. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he can handle it. In fact, we can't know if we really trust him until he has full access to that rotten, smelly, dead place. Whatever you've got hidden in your tomb. You can't know if you really trust him until he's allowed nearby. I think a lot of us need to hear that. And, and, and others need to hear that if we don't roll the stone all the way back, not only can Jesus not come in, but Lazarus can't come out. And so there's a choice that each of us has to make. Jesus must be allowed to come to the tomb. Okay, He has to be allowed to come to the tomb. He must be allowed to come and see. Jesus is not afraid of tombs. You know, not long after this, Jesus really did die. And he spent three days in a tomb of his own. And he was raised. 
And unlike Lazarus, who died again sometime later, Jesus is still alive today, and death is defeated, and it has no power over him or us. And I get if that's hard to believe sometimes, okay? It is hard to believe sometimes, but that doesn't make it untrue. Jesus shows us what God is like. He shows us what he loves. He shows us what he hates, and he shows up in glory at the tomb, breathing in the stench and bringing life from death. And you know, there's a couple of ways I think that we're gonna uh, we're gonna apply this truth. One is this, okay? Like I, I want you to imagine that you are the one through whom God wants to work resurrection in someone's life. Okay, maybe maybe somebody in your family or a friend or a neighbor or a coworker or something. Um, there's somebody with a who with a tomb full of rottenness because of things that they've done or things that were done to them. And if you're the one that God wants to use to bring about resurrection, the only way that happens is if you will get close. And then when the stone, when they roll the stone away, we stand our ground, no matter how bad the smell is. And that uh, is that easy? No, but I hope we will. I hope we will. I think that that has got to be at least part of what it means for us to be the church here in Hamilton. We're not the ones who run when people roll the stone away and we get a hold of the stench. But there's another way I think that I, I hope we will apply this. Um, and, and I just hope you'll let me get kind of personal here for a minute. Okay. Back in summer 2012, um, Heather and I were expecting our third child uh, when we were on vacation and Heather had a miscarriage. Uh, it was about the 12th week. You know, it was at that point in a pregnancy where we're planning for the future. And, and Maggie and Stella both were so excited to meet this little boy or girl. Um, and and, and it was always, it's always been my dream to have a very large family because some of you would know I'm, I'm one of eight kids in my family. At the same time, you know, I was a pastor. I was working my butt off for God. And then after we lost the baby, not long after, Heather got cancer. And, uh, and, and we were both like, seriously? And so in, in my 36-year-old brain, I decided, well, if we survived all of that, we must be pretty good. Like that's the meaning that I made from, from that situation. And I went right back to work and because uh, I thought that's what I needed to do. Uh, it must be pretty great. We survived such, such a horrible horrible 2012. And I got back to work as a pastor. And I remember sitting in my office and staring at my computer and thinking about the people that I'm supposed to be praying for. And I resented them. I resented them because it seemed like they had it easier than we do. And I was jealous of people who had more kids. I was jealous of people who have more time and more money or people who seem to have it easier than I do. And I thought that because I'm a pastor, because I'm busting my but for God, that he owes us a great life with lots of kids and lots of comforts and lots of respect. And I didn't realize at the time that there was just a lot of really rotten, smelly, gross stuff in the tomb of my life. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's not there anymore. Honestly, that's not there anymore, not because I fixed it, not because I sort of conquered that stuff, but because with help, with even with some counseling, I learned to grieve 
And, and I learned to let the Lord into the very deepest, darkest places in, the, the, in, in that tomb. I learned to roll the stone away and say, Lord, come and see. Come and see the pain and the anger and the self-righteousness and the jealousy and my sadness. Because, Lord, this sucks. I hate this. I'm miserable. And it's, it's easy to believe that you don't care, but that doesn't make it true. You say that you love me, and, and, I, and, and I see it in Scripture, and I know that you hate this thing even more than I do. And, and I'm not saying, guys, that I'm glad that we went through all that. I am saying that just like Lazarus, what I experienced there wasn't just a healing, okay? What has happened in, in me since those days wasn't just healing and wasn't just like some kind of – wasn't like a victory, okay? It was resurrection, it was resurrection. And I just wonder if maybe some of us or maybe some of the people in your orbit maybe need to experience a resurrection. And so as I close, think, what would it look like for us to take the stone away, uh, knowing what lies inside the rotten places in our hearts? You know, what would it take, look like for us to roll the stone away and say, Lord, come and see. Lord, come and see. What, what might happen if he does? Could you imagine? Could you imagine that? Like, Lord, come and see the fear and the doubt and the guilt that I just can't shake. Lord, come and see the secret stuff that nobody knows about me, the lust, the greed, and the pride. Lord, come and see how I actually treat my neighbors. Lord, come and see what I'm actually entertained by. Eh? Lord, come and see the, the injustices that I've ignored or that I've benefited from or that I've participated in. Or, Lord, come and see how I actually talk about the people that I disagree with. Or, Lord, come and see whatever it is that I've kept hidden from you. Lord, take it. It's yours. I'm rolling away the stone, and I'm giving you full access. And, you know, Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet will he live. And that's a promise. You know, that is a promise that he means he intends to keep and today i'm challenging you guys if if we believe this if we believe this then when we feel overwhelmed by the darkness like like i do sometimes we actually know what to do you know like the only time the lord raises the dead is when he is allowed near the body okay he can handle what's in your tomb he can handle it and so by grace let's be a people who leave nothing hidden from him. Let's be a people who give the Lord full access to those dark and rotten and smelly places and, and who can testify to what it's like to go through a resurrection. Amen. Thank you for listening.